by the message of an angel, may, by his passion and cross, be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM Frisco, Dallas-Fort Worth on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Catholic Radio for your soul. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. Live from the KATH 910 AM studios in Las Colinas and broadcasting across North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is the Good News Show. And good afternoon. Welcome to the Good News Show here on KTH 910 AM, Guadalupe Radio Network. It is a beautiful rainy day. Gosh, it's been two months, I think. Well, actually, we had a little bit of rain last week, but uh, boy, the, the drought is coming to a uh, an end, I hope. Uh, and it is so, so nice to see all this rain falling. So God bless. Thank God for uh, for the rain. We need it so badly. And uh, so I hope you're enjoying it. And uh, it's August 22nd. I found out this morning uh, I went to Mass with my wife. It's the Feast of the Queenship of Mary. I always like to keep track of the liturgical calendar. That one kind of took me by surprise, but uh, ne- never enough days to uh, honor and uh, remember our, 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 our Lady, and so it's a great feast day today. So uh, l- let's celebrate that and ask for her, her intercession. And uh, let's see, we've got a good show Uh this is the fourth, um, I'm sorry, the, yeah, the fourth Monday of the month. And that means that we have, uh, what's called the University of Dallas segment, uh, on the, the Good News Show. And, uh, we're going to have, this is, hasn't happened in a while, Dr. Sanford actually being in studio with us. Yeah, that's going to be very exciting. And it's a busy week for him to be in too. It's the start of the school semester. It's yeah, on Wednesday it starts. Yeah. So he's going to come in along with Claire Venegas, who is his VP of communications and marketing. And, uh, they said they want me to kind of interview them. And so I'm going to talk to them about uh, the start of the school year and uh, what's going on this year and enrollment. I think last year they had a record freshman class, and so mm-hmm. we'll see if that trend is continuing. Uh, so the UD segment's coming up. We're also going to have a very brief conversation uh, with Becky Vysosky, the former executive director of the Catholic Pro-Life Community. She now is a communication specialist and works with Sidewalk Advocates for Life, Lauren Musica's uh, organization. They've got a uh, big conference coming up at the end of October in Dallas. So real briefly for about five minutes, we're going to talk to Be- Becky at the bottom of the hour. And in just a moment, I have, uh, I'm real excited about this, two very good friends of mine uh, who just happened to work over at St. Elizabeth and Seton Parish in Keller. One is a volunteer and one is chief of staff. Uh, Scott Cook and Brian Squibbs are in studio with me and uh it's uh, we were going to try to get father flynn but he wasn't able to make it but uh if you're not familiar with saint elizabeth in keller this is a, a big 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 parish i think one of the biggest in the diocese if not the biggest uh, i remember bishop van one time saying he it was its own diocese <laughs> jokingly uh so uh we'll talk about uh, all the good stuff going on over there and if you've never been inside the the, the church by the way it is beautiful i i've never seen so many uh, saints and uh, it just uh, it's it's just very unique it's cruciform it's it's just a beautiful beautiful architecture so we'll talk a little bit about that they've got a festival coming up on october 1st that's open to everybody if you want to come out and visit the parish and, and the, the, they've got a lot of land out there a lot of grounds and uh so we'll talk about that and among a lot, a lot of other things as well uh william kirkendall our wonderful intern is here and he's got us up on social media so if you want to go on facebook our, our local facebook channel you can see 
uh, all of uh, me and all the guests and all the stuff that's going on behind the scenes. So thanks to William for that. Cecil Anderson is on the other side of the glass, and we're going to talk about a few things. Last week, uh, Cecil and I got to drive down over to Midlothian, and we were invited to go to the set of The Chosen TV series. And that was pretty cool. It was like a whirlwind 24 hours, wasn't it? It was a crazy 24 hours. We packed a lot in, and, you know, we didn't really know what to expect, Dave, right? Yeah. We got invited out to do this, but it was quite cool. And I'm trying to be really careful because we're not we're supposed to say much until we I release know. all the so information. It's all embargoed, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all embargoed until, I think, October or so. But they're working really hard on season three right now. I posted a few pictures that we were allowed to post on our Facebook page, uh, our general Guadalupe Radio Network one, and the... Um, uh, our local DFW one and I think what we can say because I did look it up and it's on the internet so if it's on the internet it's free right mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. a yeah. free game um, but they're working on season three but they actually are permanently now filming in Midlothian Texas yeah. so the next yeah. few seasons that they're going to be doing until they finish the series is going to be here in the DFW area, which is pretty cool. Yeah, we were the only two Catholics there as far as the media. They had yes. about maybe 15, 20 media people. All of, and they were nice people. We had such great conversations. Cecil, I must say, was wearing this shirt. And it's uh, our, uh, one of our other interns, Jonathan von Weber-Hunsberg. His mom, Angela, started a company, a short company called ConversionStarters.com. And it has a provocative question like, why do Catholics pray to the saints? Or why do Catholics pray the rosary? And then a website where you go and you learn the answer. Uh, Cecil wore her shirt. I did. Uh, Why do Catholics pray to the saints? And I, so many people, I think we can say this, including one of the apostles. Yes. Judas. Yes. Of all people came up to Cecil and said, what does your shirt say? Yeah, interesting that uh, Judas, so, I mean, yeah, obviously he's the actor playing Judas, uh, but so many conversations started because of that shirt. And, uh, that's, we'll have to have an interview, uh, and, and well, I mean, talk more about just the, the, the fruit that's coming from that company. But, uh, anyways, uh, anything else? Oh, yeah. By the way, tonight, special mass, um, in celebration of life by the Catholic pro life community. Um, Bishop Burns, Auxiliary Bishop Greg Kelly are going to be celebrating the feast of the Queenship of Mary tonight at a mass celebrating the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And it's bilingual pro-life mass at the Cathedral Guadalupe, and it begins at 7 p.m. And they were doing like a consecration before that. I don't have all the details on that. Do you remember what they're doing? Uh, I'm counting on you, Sissel. There's there's a consecration, I think, that's maybe 6 o'clock. Just, I am looking just show at it. up early and uh, <laughs> go have some surprises. I was trying to look it up on the website quickly. Yeah. And oh, yeah, it doesn't you know, say you, anything we'll, about the. We'll, we'll talk about it at the end of the show. Yeah, okay, if you, if you happen to find it. So, all right. So that's the show. And uh, thanks so much for joining us. Let's get right to our in studio guests again. Uh, from six forty-five p.m. Six forty-five. Oh there. wow! Sorry, okay. it's the con- act of consecration to Jesus through Mary on the feast of her queenship, and they should arrive at the cathedral by six forty-five p.m. I'm impressed. Very good. I thank, thank am you good so at much. googling. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So. So uh, let's talk about this wonderful parish in the Diocese of Fort Worth, uh, which is called St. Elizabeth Anseton Parish in the city of Keller, uh, which, uh, gosh, what can you say about it? Scott Cook is the chief of staff. Brian Squibbs is an acolyte, volunteer. Every time I'm over there, I see you. So you, you're, you've <laughs> obviously got a very important role over there. But thanks for, for, for coming in studio. Good to see you both. Thank, Thank you for having it. us. All right, so what's what's a chief of staff is kind of a new position that is not just at St. Elizabeth, but many parishes. Is that new? Is it's, that right? It's a bigger parish uh, designed so that you can help keep the administrative duties kind of off the pastor, so to speak, so mm-hmm. they can focus more on the clergy yeah. aspect of things. So 
What I try to do is keep everything I can off of Father Flynn, to, per se, and then I will, I'll keep him briefed on everything so that I just handle it because, you know, I, I don't know the numbers, but I, I think we're a parish that could handle four or five priests, and we have two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we have yeah. a wonderful deacon, uh, Deacon Norman uh, Etienne, and he's an employee, but he's he takes up a lot of slack that we used to have as a third priest. But And so just to see our priests working so hard, they only have one day off, and it's anything I can do to free them up and make decisions and consult with him, then that's I'm I'm helping him, mm-hmm. and if yeah. I'm helping him, I'm helping my parish. And that's such a great thing because the the priests are priests. They can they can do things we can't do, like confession and confect the Eucharist, and uh, you know sometimes they'll they'll do confirmations if you know with if the bishop with the bishop's um, blessing, uh, and that's that's. That's their thing. I mean, that's what they do. And then they bring somebody in. And I, you've got a lot of experience in the business world. And you come in uh, having uh, similar experience, I guess, uh, in the business world. Is that right, coming in? Right. Your- so I was in healthcare for 30 years. And at the end of it, I, w- I ended up being a CFO at four different hospitals. Mm. So uh, an administrative type level position to where you have to kind of see the whole landscape. And it's very similar to what we have now, where you have to look at one decision will turn three levels. You, you you make one decision, it'll turn three levers over here. Mm-hmm. And then realize, okay, I didn't think about that. Yeah. So, you know, I've been there almost a year and a half now, and I have a better understanding of how a parish works. Father Flynn likes to say, uh, as you come over, you get to see how the sausage is made <laughs> when you go work for the church. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, But it, it's great. Uh, Father Flynn uh, encourages us to go to Mass, the daily Masses, when you know, at 9 or at 12 noon on Fridays. And it's great. Um, mm-hmm. my, my grandson goes to the school, so I'm, I'm there close with him. And so it's, it's just a win all the way around. Mm-hmm. Very nice. And Brian, you, uh, like I said, acolyte at the parish, you seem to, to, to be there often, you know, you're kind of, seas is kind of running through your, your <laughs> veins. I mean, you, 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 so what, what exactly is your role? How long you've been a parishioner, you and your wife, Lisa and your children? Yes. Yes. So, uh, we first moved down from Ohio in 91. So found seas pretty fairly quickly through that. And, um, Went away. My wife and I got married. We went away to Ohio for a couple of years, came back, went right back into seas, uh, found our home there. Uh, and we same thing. Our children are all going through the school there. Uh, it's just one. It, it's a four minute walk, a six minute drive. <laughs> so if that makes any sense. Uh, and so it's yeah, so you, close. You walk so almost as fast so as you walking. drive. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're walking over there all the time. So we're very blessed with that. And, and I think kind of what Scott was talking about from his role is very similar to somebody like me that kind of volunteer within the, within the parish is uh, Father Flynn is a very, very big. And, and now even with Father Wynn, you bring an idea, say, okay, go do it. When he gives you the thumbs up, go make it happen. And, you know, be a good Marine as that, you know, being a, being a mm-hmm. Marine, um, and he's army. And so, you know, being a good soldier and, and I love that about him is, and you know, it's not always a yes, right? Sometimes it's a no. So I find myself up there a lot trying to get involved, trying to help doing whatever I can also to try to lift that load. Uh, the parish is huge. We need them at mass, at confession, just like you said, we need them in those areas, but then also out there in the community bringing, you know, the Eucharist to folks and, and, and giving uh, those sacraments to mm-hmm. the folks out there. So any way that we can. So our family just tries to get involved. And 
were a part of the troop, troop five of troop uh, St. George there. Mm. Uh, I'm an acolyte there. My boys are all altar servers there. My wife finds herself into all kinds of different things up there. So yeah, it's quite a blessing. Yeah. I remember when my wife came over here from Ireland, one of the first comments she made, the comparison of parish life there versus here is that there you, you go to mass, you come home, you go to mass the next Sunday, maybe go to daily mass. It's just pretty much just mass over here. You got so much and she likes it here. She likes the fact that there's all kinds of right, activities, right. but I'm wondering, Scott, from your perspective, people probably come to you all the time with ideas. Hey, how about we start this group? How about we do this? Can we have a Bible study? Can we do that? And how do you kind of make those prudential decisions about, yeah, maybe not. Let's, you know, cause it's possible to do too much, you right. know, but, but well, tell us about that process. Well, what I try to do is not say no right away and yeah. shut it down. I like to hear them out, uh, understand where they're coming from. Uh, obviously, if they feel like the Holy Spirit is leading them to do something and, and speak out to their church, that <clears throat> I hear them out. And then I'll go talk to Father Flynn and to make sure because uh, it's his parish and he is our, you know, he answers to the bishop. I don't in terms mm-hmm. of why something does or doesn't happen. So, and, and uh, most of the time, as Brian was saying, he'll he'll give you a thumbs up. But I I always try to go in there with a with a, a thought out plan instead of saying, well, "Hey, somebody wants to start a ministry." Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what is it? What's it involve? Do they need the facilities? That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, how is it? Um, what's the demographic? And and sometimes we have over fifty ministries, so you have to be careful that. That already exists. Yeah. And, and, and it's interesting. Volunteers are very passionate about their ministry, right? That's, they sort of, it becomes them. And so you have to be very careful to kind of step back and say, okay, do we have this? What need is it fulfilling? Are we duplicating effort here? And, uh, just so that we, we just, it can, I think too many ministries could splinter a parish because mm-hmm. there's too many, too yeah. many things going. Yeah. And so you have to make sure that, uh, you kind of have a higher view and make sure that it serves the community with its intended purpose. Mm-hmm. One of the things we're going to talk about is the festival that's going on October 1st, which happens to be the anniversary of Catholic Radio, by the way. We came on the air on October 1st, so uh, I think that'll be, what, 17, 18 years of Catholic Radio. Uh, this, is, this is something, was last year the first one that you did? I remember we were out there broadcasting. We're going to be out there again uh, this year as well. Uh, it was and, a reboot. And I, I remember yeah. the thing I remember most is that like everything was free. <laughs> I was like, I'd never seen that before. I was like, what? It, it wasn't like a big fundraiser, which nothing wrong with fundraisers, but it's a different yeah. kind of festival, isn't it? It, it is, Dave. It is. Um, it, so last year was a reboot. We, uh, I remember getting an email and uh, maybe getting an ear pull and saying to join a meeting um, six weeks. Was it five? It was five or six weeks from the date that was kind of put out there. And, uh, Father Flynn wanted to get this back rolling again. He wanted the community to know what what was going on within the parish. All these ministries that Scott just mentioned, mm-hmm. they were back rolling again, right, post the pandemic. And so this was something he felt was very important to get us back out together in the local community, the local Catholic community. So he didn't want anybody to not come because money was an issue or anything like that. He wanted families to be there. So he said, I need you to kick this off and I want to say it was like five weeks and I want it to be free and I want it to have this kind of look and feel. And with the group of people that came together, I remember some of the meetings we had, 
chief of staff was leading us. He might have had a, a certain hat on while we were while we were meeting, <laughs> and uh, we were getting it done. And, mm-hmm. and and the groups came together and just made it happen. And uh, this year we've taken a little bit of a different look to it, but growing from there, kind of like a phased approach. Yeah. So um, October first is a Saturday. Tell us about beginning end. Is there going to be entertainment, food, activities? Uh, what what, what Scott sing? <laughs> Scott singing? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is there entertainment? Uh, yeah, there will be. Okay. There will be. Yeah, All that's right. actually uh, one of my things that I get to, to work with. So, what kind of entertain- yeah, it, entertainment are you going to have? So it starts at 10 a.m. Uh, you'll actually be out there with us that morning yeah. Uh, yeah. doing a live remote out there. So 10 a.m. till 7 p.m. Uh, we are going to have um, some of the parish and the school uh, do some different things. So we'll have the theater troupe is going to do um, parts of their play that's coming up, I think, the following weekend. Uh, and then um, we'll have the school band is penciled in to come out and kind of show us some of their um, choirs kind of penciled in there. We'll have a mariachi perform out there. And then um, we were able to confirm last week we'll have Dave Moore out there oh, in his band. Right. So from here in Dallas, over here Dallas way. That guy uh, is just, uh, is Lauren amazing. coming, his wife, or is it? That's my understanding that okay. everybody will be over there. So, yeah, they, yeah, they are outstanding. Uh, they really they are. are. They're going to they're they're close our show. They're going to okay. be the, be from 5 to 7. They'll be out there. And uh, it's going to do something a little different. He's going to do uh, a set in country and then a set of praise and worship. All right. So kind of just to change it up a little bit. So it'll right. be a lot of fun. Okay. A lot of fun. And uh, lots of food. Uh, of course, these festivals are all known for their food. Uh, any rides or anything like that or games? or well, well, what's for the, What about for the kids? The uh, We're going to have some inflatable, like an inflatable section. So we have the soccer field there that's mm-hmm. right there kind of in our general area. And we'll have um, some kind of new and different inflatables. So... Not your traditional bounce houses, uh, but different things like, uh, gosh, there's one that's called like the darts, like it's the air darts or something like that, where I think you <laughs> kick like a soccer ball that's got Velcro on it. They'll have a jousting <laughs> arena, a couple different things like that. We'll have a dunk tank out there. We're going to try to get this guy in there. And I think he's going to try to tell me to get <laughs> right in there. Right after he sings, right? But, right, right, right after he sings. <laughs> right. Right right Everybody sings. will want to dunk you after that. Well, the key to the dunk tank is to be the first one in. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, we'll have that out there. Like you said, food. Dunking um, boots are like the coolest thing. I mean, fun, every, yeah. every carnival needs a dunking booth. Right. I mean, it's just right. uh, like, like that's just uh, that's just fun. fun. It's, it's, yeah, it's good, clean, fun. We've, we've already had several uh, teachers already sign up from oh, the yeah. parish school, from St. Elizabeth School there. So that's going to be kind of fun their students get out there and whip a ball at the at the target and see yeah. if they could drop them so yeah. uh we're talking about saint elizabeth and seed parish in keller uh if you haven't been out there it's a beautiful big parish they've got uh the stations of the cross out front T- tell us about that i know that goes way back but mm-hmm. is it like life-size uh stations and, yeah. and and that you can walk them um tell us more Th- about there's those. a there's a prayer garden that you start on the east side of the church and it winds around um and all the stations have uh sort of a dedication of a family that may have uh, dedicated and you can walk and meditate um fortunately lent is in the spring and not in august (laughs) so you can it's it lends itself to an outdoor activity uh it's I think it's pretty cool where, where we have Calvary. It's up on a hill, kind of like mm-hmm. the original Calvary. And um, it's just another way to um, worship and give praise. Yeah. And, you know, in a good, quiet manner. Because sometimes church can be quiet, and sometimes it can be quite loud, depending mm-hmm. on 
maybe how many kids are there or the music. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, St. Elizabeth is kind of my parish away from my parish. My actual parish is St. Mary the Virgin in Arlington, but I, I have so many friends at St. Elizabeth. I'm over there quite often. I should be like an honorary member of the parish. But <laughs> one, of the, one of the things that I've enjoyed and I've been to two or three times is the, the MAPS meetings. I'm not even sure what that acronym stands for. I know you guys do, but uh, tell our listeners about MAPS, because I think people from outside the parish are allowed to come, and, and it's happening, what, once a month or so? What, what is it, Brian? It's uh, So MAPS stands for Men's Adoration, Prayer, and Service. And so we're actually going to be hitting up the service aspect for the Fall Fest. Uh, several men are going to be out there helping us with that. Uh, but yes, Father Flynn kicked off. He um, He knew that he needed to Unite aspects of the parish, right? As we're coming out of the pandemic, um, people are starting to come back to mass, confessions, and all those things. And one of the things uh, he was talking about with a group of gentlemen is he, his military experience. If you have all these different fronts attacking something and they're not coordinated, it, it's not going to go anywhere. The battle will be lost, right? So he kind of took that thinking, and I'm doing a poor job of probably how he explained it. Maybe with a cigar in his hand. Um, <laughs> but he explained it in a way that he needed to bring us men together, right? And to make sure that we were on a coordinated front. And so this is an opportunity for him. It's every other weekend. It's it's two weekends a month. Um, and he basically will try to either he gives a talk. He has had Father Maul come in from St. John's and do uh, just an intelligent priest there as well. Um, and he's coming and talk to us, we'll talk about sin, talk about the sin that maybe men deal with more or um, different topics. Right now, we just started kind of a Christophanic series that we're kind of watching, and it starts with adoration. So you start at 630. The goal is is get there early so that we can get back to our families, being a Saturday, and you know most of us might be working during mm-hmm. the week. So we start at 630. It's nice and penitential. And 6.30 to 7 is exposition, adoration, and benediction. And then we go over to the church hall at 7 and have this talk um, or a presentation. And then we have some donuts and coffee and different things, clotches. And uh, we go over there and kind of do that. And then the goal is to be done by 8 to either you know head back to your families or, as he suggests, go home and get your families and come back to 9 a.m. mass. Mm. <laughs> um and so it's uh, it's been a great thing. And even since then, uh, our women have kicked off something, too, called Women in Christ, uh, where they take the opposite weekend. So they'll actually be – we just had ours this past Saturday. Uh, they'll actually be here this coming uh, Saturday. And uh, yours truly is actually speaking to them on adoration. So. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, the, the, the ones I've been to, I, I was there for the Father Maul one, which I enjoyed. He talked philosophy, which is something right. I love. And then uh, the vocation director, Father Metzler, uh, was uh, spoke, and I, I found his story uh, amazing about how much resistance he got from his own family uh, to be a priest. Send him out to a different priest to I talk know. them out of going to the seminary. <laughs> what Father Flynn said, just so you know, I was one of them and I did not. I said, you got to go. Yeah. And it, so. it just fits. It's, it's a remarkable story. His Amen. parents, you know, driving him to seminary, still trying to talk him out of it. Right. And, uh, you know, and uh, through all that, uh, here he is, an ordained priest and the vocation director. Uh, there's, uh, okay, so Women in Christ uh, is happening. Uh, you guys have adoration on a pretty regular basis as well i know i've been there at two o'clock in the morning is is that monthly or 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 how often is adoration offered at the parish it's offered four times a week 
Yeah, during the day. During the day. Oh, and, yeah. and then. Wednesday evening. Wednesday evening. And then the first Wednesday of the month, Father Flynn initiated a mass for our nation. Okay. And our super volunteer, there's no kryptonite for Brian. <laughs> so we'll, we'll ha- it's really cool to see as you walk up all these flags for our nation. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just kind of brings an awareness of where our nation is, where it's been, where we need to go. And that if we focus on prayer, um, hopefully things can get better. Uh, but it was, I think that was a great idea for Father Flynn to kind of bring a focus. And it's a, it's a, uh, evening mass at six thirty, mm-hmm. uh, And then after that, they go right into adoration. Yeah. And, um, we still get 100, 120 people through the night up to, uh, end and so we have to make sure that uh those people are safe and that's a big big thing with the current climate with the rv wade overturn and other Mm -hmm. different things and um that was one of the things that we've got to keep keep track of with our campus because we're 44 acres and 12 buildings and just all this stuff and we, we have an obligation to make sure that when you come to worship you're safe yeah yeah and um the there's a school there you guys have a school. How how does that impact the dynamic of, I don't know if being chief of staff has anything to do with the school, but when you have a school on your campus, uh, uh, how, 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 tell us about that. How does that change the parish dynamic? What, having been a parishioner for close to 30 years now, there's always, is an interesting dynamic of parishioners that aren't school families. And then you've got families that are school families. So there's sort of a kind of a, I don't want to say schism, but there's yeah. a divide yeah. between a school fa- and so what I've always tried to do is just bring a, a a one view that we're one campus, and we've been blessed to bring in a couple of new employees, one over security, one over construction and maintenance, and and I've articulated to Father Flynn and our our school principal, uh, Mr. Sam Vanderplas, that we're all in this. This is one campus. The way that the office is set up. And uh, in light of the events like it would happen in Uvalde, you know, mm-hmm. those are things that we have to be concerned with. And so um, if we're not unified, then it, it, it's just more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we just try to have a one campus view of the school and the parish and those sort of things. Yeah. I mentioned well, we're just uh, down to our last few minutes. Uh, Scott Cook is the chief of staff for uh, St. Elizabeth and Seton Parish in Keller. And Brian Squibbs is the acolyte volunteer and uh uh, something about crypt- kryptonite, or he's uh, he's the Superman. Is that what is that what he is? The Superman over there. Uh, I, I mentioned the the actual church itself, and for the, somebody who has never stepped foot in there, uh, can you one y'all give give a, a little brief tour of just exactly what you see? Because there you you could spend hours in there mm-hmm. just looking around at all. Uh, it, it, it's beautiful and really is very well designed. Well, I know, um, like you said, it's in the shape of a cross. The stain, the large stained glass windows. It takes you through salvation history, and um, and then you have the small saints ab- above. Uh, Father John Grimmels, who was pastor when we built that, he sort of half kiddingly called it Vatican West. <laughs> and so there's a very, very traditional feel to it, um, and it's uh, we try to bring a sense of reverence in terms of the. the it's amazing when you're in there, it seems so big yeah. when you're by yourself, but on 11 o'clock mass, it seems so small mm-hmm. when it's overflowing with people. But it's, um, 
you know, we, we live stream all the masses during the week. And um, it's just, a, we try to create a sense of reverence. The, the altar is very long and the sanctuary is very long and there's a communion rail. It's a, it's a divider between the, the, uh, the altar and the, or the pews. So, oh, Brian, help me, help me out with that. <laughs> yeah. I think um, like 11 o'clock, I think is a great example is we, we fill it in and uh, Father Wynn and Father Flynn are both very um, devout to the idea of a nice traditional form of the new mass. Right. So, uh, big on the smells and bells. Uh, so, uh, you know, the incense is flowing, um, the bells are ringing, and and I think, and it just, the, you know, altar servers up there, you know, making sure it's all focused towards the holy worship and the holy sacrifice of the Mass. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's beautiful. You walk in when it's empty and you're like, whoa. And then um, when you come in on one of those nine o'clock or 11 o'clock masses and you're just a part of that worship and a part of that mm. sacrifice of the mass, it's it's quite beautiful. Yeah, one of the largest narthexes I think I've ever seen in yes. a parish. It's, uh, so Which I, also I, I fills up. I think your narthex is bigger than our parish. <laughs> it's it's a, uh, the, yeah, the cry room and uh, we'll get a yeah. uh, hundred babies back there sometimes. And, and uh, yeah. I don't know, I, I think, I don't even want to tell my source, I heard somebody say something about another parish maybe uh, starting in that area. Am I talking out of school? Or is, uh, do you guys nope, know anything about that? It's been Isn't there a whole other parish? Yeah. What, yeah. Is, what is that? It's St. Teresa of Calcutta, yeah. and it's up off of uh, 170 in Alta Vista, uh, between 377 and 35W. It so it's the northern border of our parish, um, Saint Philip in Flower Mound, um, Saint Mark's yeah, Good Good Shepherd, Colleyville, right. not too right. far away, so, right? right? Yeah, but but it's it's very raw. I'd say it's really raw right now because there's existing buildings and and is it's not going to have a priest for a while. Yeah, it's going to be run by a deacon. I I just heard about it for the first time. I mean, I think it might have been Cicel that told me about it, but uh, that's cool. So from y'all's standpoint, it's not like oh we're going to lose members. You're like fine. It sounds like you're overflowing anyways, right? Yeah, probably get some Roanoke people coming and all that. So right. uh, well, gosh, we're out of time. Uh, anything Goes else? Quick. I know it does go quickly. <laughs> I appreciate y'all coming in very much. Uh, any last word uh, you want to give the website out where people can learn? If, you know, get the address and maybe come the, the the times of liturgies and things like that. It's a C's, uh, CC dot org, org right? S-C-A-S. Okay. S-C-A-S. Okay. dot org. And yeah, they can get on there, see mass times. They can get to live streaming if they're, if they're homebound. Uh, and then we'll also have announcements on there. We also have social media on Facebook and Instagram uh, that we do announcements. Uh, one of the things that I would just throw out that's actually coming up um, next week, I believe, but our youth... Uh, also come and do an Illuminate um, Adoration mm. on Wednesdays, the last Wednesday of the month, uh, right after Mass. And so that could be something, too, that that's out there coming up. All right. Hopefully it's all on the website, seascc.org. Yes. Uh All right. Uh, Scott Cook, Chief of Staff, Brian Squibbs, uh, Acolyte, Volunteer, Superman over there at the <laughs> parish. And, uh, again, thanks to Father Flynn. Uh, um, uh, well, well, and, well, and we're going to be there October 1st for the right. big fall festival, 10 to 7. Uh, our broadcast, I think, is 10 to noon or yep. 9 to 11 or something like that. 10 to well, noon. Yep. Yeah, 10 to noon. So, so thanks for being here. It's great to see both of you. And we are going to take a very, very quick break, and then we're going to come back and have uh, Vicky, Vicky, Becky. 
Becky Visosky on the line uh, with us for a brief conversation about a conference that's being sponsored by Sidewalk Advocates for Life, uh, October 28th through 30th. So it's still a ways away, but uh, just a little bit about sidewalk advocacy in light of the overturning of Roe v. Wade and what exactly they're, they're doing now. So, uh, And then the, the UD segment with Dr. Sanford and Claire Venegas coming up later in the show as well. So we'll be right back. Abortions finished in Texas, in Texas, but its effects will last years. Project Joseph, a confidential healing ministry for men only, helps you find peace after an abortion loss. The next Project Joseph is August 27th and 28th, with spots going fast, so act now. Call 469-720-CARE to find men who understand the pain you've gone through, because you're not alone. Call 469-720-2273 now and heal with Project Joseph. Loretta House in Denton is a pregnancy resource center that serves women dealing with unplanned pregnancies. They provide free pregnancy testing and free ultrasounds. Clients receive material goods like diapers, baby items, clothing, parenting classes, and more. Loretta House is an official apostolate of the Diocese of Fort Worth. All services are provided free of charge and remain completely confidential. Many babies are saved and many hearts changed. For more information, visit LorettaHouse.org or call 940-380-8191. All right, we are back. Normally, we take a three-minute break uh, at the bottom of the hours, uh, but uh, since we had so much uh, packed in, I wanted to uh, do a shorter break. And so we've got Becky on the line. Uh, Becky Visosky, communication specialist. She works with Sidewalk Advocates for Life, and we're going to talk uh, a little bit uh, briefly. Hopefully, we can have a longer conversation with Becky sometime, uh, but also about uh, their their big conference coming on October 28th through the 30th. Becky, how are you doing? Good to, good to speak with you. Good to talk to you, Dave. Yeah, all right. Well, we'll talk real fast, okay? <laughs> okay. Uh, so, real, first of all, I, I have not really had a chance uh, since Lauren started uh, Sidewalk Advocates for Life. You know, she used to have a show on our station, but really to, to talk to her on the air much about what exactly y'all do. Can y'all give, give our listeners just a brief overview of uh, the mission and purpose of Sidewalk Advocates for Life? Sure. Well, the main mission of Sidewalk Advocacy, um, our Sidewalk Advocates for Life, is to bring peaceful and effective sidewalk outreach to every sidewalk outside of an abortion facility and an abortion referral facility across the country, really taking a, a training system, a program that can be exported to any city, any location, and then having a support network of a national team that's there to provide you everything from prayer support to legal support, as well as the cutting edge tools that we've seen through research and experience work the best for really bringing moms to that choice for life in just those few minutes you might have with them outside of an abortion or abortion referral facility. Yeah, and in light of the wonderful news about the overturning of Roe v. Wade, especially, you know, Texas had already passed the heartbeat law, how, how does that impact your work and, you know, mission here in you know, North Texas and Texas in general? Right, right. Well, it, you know, unfortunately, we are very blessed here in Texas. Unfortunately, a majority of the country still allows for abortion. So in those states, it's business as usual for the abortion industry, and that means it's business as usual for sidewalk advocates being out there to provide life-affirming options to the tragedy of abortion. Um, in those states, however, where we are blessed, like Texas, where there have been laws in place to ban abortion, what we're seeing is the abortion industry is still trying to keep their hooks into those locations through abortion referral facilities. A lot of Planned Parenthoods are transitioning over that where they are uh, providing referrals out of state 
some locations even providing coupons for travel out of state. And so it's critically important that even if in your community abortion is banned, that we have a presence outside of those referral facilities or maybe even the town square where we're promoting pregnancy resource centers, where we're promoting life-affirming options. And that's what Sidewalk Advocates is really all about, about being a gateway to those resources. Because what we find is the biggest stumbling block for a lot of pregnant women in crisis is they simply don't know the options that are available available to them. Yes. And uh, I, like I said, I'd like to have a, a, a long conversation with you if we can sometime. Maybe you can come in studio and talk more about this because it's such such a necessary work that you are doing. Uh, real briefly, let's talk about the uh, National Sidewalk Advocacy Conference coming up here in Dallas, October 28th through the 30th. Yes, we're super excited. We have a national conference for um, sidewalk outreach, but it's not exclusive to the sidewalk. And really in the current climate, it is so critically important that we learn how to effectively communicate in a loving way the truth about life. And so that's really what this conference is about. We'll bring in people who are from the sidewalk, as well as those that are in pregnancy help organizations, post-abortion care, as well as abortion worker outreach, and those who just feel on fire for the pro-life movement. Maybe they're inspired by by what went on with Roe v. Wade, and they want to get involved in really transforming America from a post-Roe America to a pro-life America. This is a great place to start. As you mentioned, it's in October in Dallas, Texas, and we have an amazing slate of speakers, Abby Johnson, David B. Wright, uh, the president of Heartbeat International, Kristen Hawkins with Students for Life of America, and so many more, including some really powerful testimonies of people who've been there, who've been in the trenches of both fighting against abortion, have experienced abortion, have worked inside the industry, really seeing this issue from all sides so that we can plan the best possible strategic move forward in the movement. And we'd love to see people come and be a part of this discussion. All right, ProLifeConference.com, uh, ProLifeConference.com to get your tickets. Again, it's the uh, National Sidewalk Advocacy Conference, October 28th through the 30th in Dallas. Uh, Becky, great talking with you, and uh, we'll talk again between now and then, hopefully, uh, with the conference. But th- thanks for being on the program today. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. All right. Thanks so much. And I see not only the president of the University of Dallas here with me and also their VP of Communication and Marketing, but I see a UD student uh, behind <laughs> uh, uh, Willem. Uh, Sissel's brother is uh, just got back from Rome, in fact, and overseas uh, in the summer program. But uh, boy, I'm just, and I'm, and I'm a UD grad. I have a master's degree there as well. So anyways, uh, Dr. Jonathan Sanford is president and uh, Claire Venegas is the VP of marketing and communications uh this is kind of a unique situation i don't get to actually you know fire questions at you guys very often this is nice thanks for being here it's so great to be To, let's see. All right. Th- thanks for having us, Dave. Can you hear me now? Uh, now you're on. Yes. Okay, great. Yes. All right. I wanted, wanted to make sure we give you a voice. So, all right. So, this is a big uh, week. Is school starting this week? S- school or? is starting this week. We've got the Mass of the Holy Spirit tomorrow, which is the official start to the school year. Bishop Burns comes on campus, and many other priests can celebrate. The whole university community gathers. We have a big picnic. Uh, afterwards, and then the next day, classes begin. Oh, wow, so. that's exciting. I was over there uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, uh, just to, I was actually looking for a place just to do some work. I'm writing a book, and I just wanted a quiet place, went to Mass, and it was summer, and it was just so weird during the summer when no no students are there. And <laughs> it, It's unnatural. Universities are made to be filled with students. Yeah. And, and so we, we do run summer courses, 
um, they were coming to an end just the last week and a half, and we we had a full uh, cohort in our um, Rome program over the course of the summer as well. But but there's nothing like the the uh, actual regular semesters where yeah. the university is jam packed with life. So tell us about the freshman class. Uh, how many students you have on campus? Maybe some of the uh, statistics of uh, what, what you're looking at from a student body side. So it's it's our our second biggest class in history. We we had our largest freshman class last year, and it was larger than even um, we wanted it to be. And <laughs> and and so we we dialed it back a little bit this year. So we we have about 440 freshman students, and um, we've we've got. All of our dormitories full. We actually converted another building back into a dormitory this fall so that we would have enough room for all of the students. We're, we're really highlighting the student life experience, um, both within the residence halls, and we do have some commuter students, and we're building up what we're calling a house system, where we're really focusing on particular charisms attached to um, living communities we're, we're planning to build new dormitories over the next several years. They'll each house about 100, 120 students. There will be a, a chapel in each of those dormitories, a recreational space, and we'll have a faculty or staff uh, family residence in each of those residence halls. So the, the opportunity that that creates is having the same dormitory over all four years of your time at the mm. University of Dallas. We have so many outstanding upperclassmen and their natural leaders for our underclassmen, and having a, a dorm parent on hand will help to foster a real intentional Catholic community within yeah. each of the dorms. Yeah, this is really a big It's, it's a big and, shift. And it's a, a big fascinating shift. Uh, change uh, you know, with the way that people will be, the, the, live, the lived experience on campus. The, the lived experience is, is really going to change. And, and you know, we, we have always been and will remain firmly committed to the cultivation of those habits of mind. You know, I, I was rereading the idea of a university, uh, St. John Henry Cardinal Newman's magisterial work on, on what it is to be a Catholic university this summer. And, and he rightly really emphasizes the role of the cultivation of the intellect. That's mm-hmm. always been at the heart of, and, and soul of what we do. But we realize that so many of our, our young people today, they, they need help fostering friendships. They, they need to really have an intentional approach to the lived experience within the dormitories and throughout the rest of the campus. And, and so this is, has been on my heart and mind for a long time. We have an outstanding dean of students, uh, Dean Gregory Roper. He's a longtime English professor at the university and an himself, himself an alumnus. So he's, he's helping um, me and, and our new provost, Dr. Matthias Vorwerk, to, to really hone this, this uh, model for a, um, a uh, university-wide sort of uh, community of learners who are dedicated to the cultivation of the mind, to the cultivation of those virtues of character, and to the further cultivation of the theological virtues. And you probably know we have focused missionaries on campus. Mm-hmm. We have a really dynamic campus ministry, and, and we're enriched by so many different religious institutions, uh, uh, communities around campus. We've, we've got the Dominican Priory on campus. We've got the Cistercians who are right across the street. We're working on building a convent for the National Dominicans who teach for us, and they also teach over at Mary Immaculate uh, Parish School. And we have many other religious charisms as well, all animated by real fidelity to the magisterium. So 
how do how do we nurture those different sources on campus in a way that that really provides our young people, not to mention our faculty and staff as well, uh, the richest experience of a of a living, learning, and um, holiness-seeking community. Wow. Sounds like a, a dynamic situation over there with a lot going on. Uh, Dr. Jonathan Sanford is the president of the University of Dallas. Claire Venegas is VP of Marketing and Communications. And uh, when you have your title and your role and you see the second biggest uh, class following you know, the, the first biggest class, you must be doing something right. You're marketing <laughs> this, this school very well. Uh, tell us about your role. I know you're relatively new. You came here from California and you're, right. you're, you've been here for a couple of years now. Uh, well, what's uh, kind of the day-to-day life of a VP of Marketing and Communications? You know, Dave, it is so exciting to see all this energy coming back to campus, too. Um, and, and my daily role really is to just simply reflect all of the wonderful things that are already happening on campus, really. Um, there's no kind of magic formula to marketing. It really, the reputation of the university, frankly, precedes um, anything, any efforts that I've uh, personally been involved in. But really, I think... What is a testament to our growing numbers is simply that more and more people, both in the DFW Metroplex and beyond, are recognizing the top-level rigorous education that we offer. And it's so different, I think, from what's out there in terms of what parents and students can look for in a in a university, right? I mean, today, too often, we have universities that are really focused on getting a particular degree, specializing in a particular area, when a lot of times 17, 18-year-old students, young adults, don't are just finding their way, right? They're mm-hmm. really trying to understand what is their role in this in this life and, and really starting to think and contemplate those larger questions. And the beauty of the University of Dallas is that we give them the opportunity to do, to do just that, that um, they can encounter professors in small classrooms and really enter into dialogue around around the classic texts of Western civilization, right? And this is this is the kind of unique education model that we offer that I think so many more people are being drawn to, especially coming out of COVID, you know, when we had so many university students and parents asking themselves, why am I paying this, you know, big uh, tuition bill for my student to be out in the basement learning? Mm-hmm. Um, what we're really offering and what we made it a point to, even during the pandemic, was to really open campus give people an opportunity, give our students the opportunity to learn in community. And that's what we really do best. Yeah, Dr. Sam, we're talking about the what Claire is alluding to here is the advantage of kind of a well-rounded education where you're not just, you know, focusing on one. I know my, my wife coming from Ireland, even when they're finishing high school, they pretty much have to, find, you know, take tests and direct themselves exactly into the profession that they're going to do. Right. And when she came over here, she's like, wow, I love this model of liberal arts like UD does where you learn some Aristotle and some Aquinas and some of the great books. So how is that advantageous? Yeah, it uh, great question. And you know, the, the the model that we have is basically a two year core curriculum and then two year majors. And one of the the ironies, I think people just don't expect this, is that our graduates are extremely well prepared for their professions. Um, let, me, let me step back from sort of the grand ideas. I'll, I'll get back to that in a second. Um, I I'd like to live in that space, as you know, Dave. But um, our, our first destination placement rates are graduates who leave the University of Dallas and are in uh, career jobs, not just jobs, but career jobs, or in graduate school, or in ministry. 
was over 99% this past year. We're consistently well above 95% in those placement rates, which is well above the placement rates at uh, the schools that you think of as really providing a kind of vocational focus. And so we, we have outstanding majors with really wonderful faculty who just give of themselves to be with the students, to mentor them, to foster them, to help them discern, do you want to do you want to go into a corporation? Do you want to go to graduate school? Do you want to go to law school? You know, our med school placement rates are higher than almost any university in the country. George Weigel um, recently wrote about that in uh, Online First Things and um, wanted to emphasize the point you're, to parents that you're making a mistake if you want your son or daughter to go to a so-called elite school because they ought to be going to a place like the University of Dallas. And... Um, and it's not just for the sake of those more important, actually, fundamental, formative reasons, but also for those much more um, uh, focused um, reasons attached to career planning. So here's, here's why it works. Okay? You, you really don't know what you're going to be passionate about. You don't know your calling until you've sufficiently explored you're also not complete as a human being unless you can appreciate uh, complete as a human being from the perspective of of really developing your your intellectual virtues and until you can appreciate the the interrelationship between the different ways of human knowing our core curriculum introduces our students to those ways of knowing all of our students have four history courses two of them in american history all of our students are uh, put into a course in which they study the American founding principles. So you, you understand the, the past so that you can make sense of the future. We want them to understand the very principles upon which our, our government is constructed so that they can become responsible citizens. All of our students take four literature courses. We call it the literary tradition sequence. It takes our students from the epic up through the novel. And what that cultivates is a real sense of the poetic imagination. And um, I, I would argue that it's the best kind of, of psychological training. You really understand humanity. You understand other people through interaction with literature. All of our students take theology courses, philosophy courses. They take art history. They take courses in the sciences. They learn the scientific method. There are laboratories um, requirements that are part of those science courses. All of our students are then given opportunities to see the relationship between the different disciplines and how all of the ways of human knowing both come from God as their source and converge upon God as the summit. And the the analogy I like to use, it, this is also one that you find in Newman, he uses it consistently, is that of physical health, right? You, you, need, to, you need to exercise the mind in all of those ways that are reflective of mental movements, so to speak, just as having overall physical health is a matter of, of exercising your body so you've got full mobility. Okay? Mm -hmm. Once you have that that foundation in place, then then you can specialize in a way that will prepare you for a career. And that's that's part of what you do in the majors. And that's you know, to extend the analogy a little bit, it's it's like having good overall 
health, you've got a full range of motion physically, and then you're going to become a really excellent baseball player or volleyball player or what have you. Same thing with mental cultivation. We want our students to have that that overall mobility, and, and then they can specialize, but that mobility stays in place, and they become remarkable contributors to building up church and society after they graduate, and 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 we, we could point to you um, many instances of our our successful students. We've got twelve bishops who've come through the University of Dallas in our short um, history. We've we've got um, graduates who are running multi billion dollar businesses. We've got graduates who are just amazing mothers and fathers, priests and nuns, doctors, lawyers, and um, all kinds of other. Um, professional vocations, living successful, flourishing lives because they have that intellectual mobility that allows them to move into all these different spaces. And they've also cultivated that forgotten art of being able to argue without quarreling. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and so they, they, can, they can judge the veracity of any argument. They know how to read a newspaper and, and not go right to Twitter and start um, <laughs> tweeting angry things. They, <laughs> they, they, they know how to be ready for, for any situation because of that education that they have. And it's an education that they go back to again and again and really spend their lifetimes uh, growing into. Mm. That'd be an interesting, uh, and maybe you all do this, uh, just kind of talk to a graduating UD student and say, how have you changed over the last four years? Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of like what you alluded to, it's probably what they come in as a freshman thinking they want to do after they get that two years of formation, they say, wow, you know, I thought I wanted to go this direction. I think I'm more suited for this. Right. And that's the, that's the whole point. It's uh, it's discernment, right? That's right. That's right. Um, so UD is starting uh, this week. Uh, their website, udallas.edu. I've got in studio here with me Dr. Jonathan Sanford, their president, and also uh, Claire Venegas, VP of Marketing and Communications. How, um, how, what percent of the student body is from out of area, out of uh, Texas, even Texas? There's a lot of, how many states do you, are yeah, we, we draw we draw from all fifty states, really? um, and you know, not not necessarily in each freshman class, but we probably have maybe I don't know thirty different states represented this year. Thirty eight. Yeah, I have my cheat sheet here. Okay. <laughs> She's got some facts for the class of twenty twenty six, which is our incoming class. Thirty eight states from two hundred and seventy cities. Wow. Um, and we do have international students as well. So mm-hmm. international students as far away as Vietnam, for example. Um, and about half are from Texas, half are from outside of Texas. So, uh, in fact, the top three metros, which is really interesting, is uh, that we draw students from, our incoming class at least, uh, from the Washington, D.C. area. Big, a lot of UD alums, we constantly hear from our some of our even trustees that are based out there that they encounter UD alumni all the time, um, Chicago, and then Southern California mm, as well. So, interesting. so top markets. Now, yeah. uh, the, the Rome program is big. I, you know, Sissel's brother Willem had the summer, the summer Rome program. I didn't even know you guys were, were doing that. Well, this was, but, this was the first summer where we okay. ran a, a full semester. We, we did a shortened semester in, in past years, but we, we decided to extend it this summer. Yeah. And that's, that's a, a very integral part of the UD experience is that sophomore year. Typically, most right. of the sophomores will spend one of their semesters in Rome. That's right. Is that wide open now? No restrictions? Everybody? No, no, no restrictions. And we were one of a very small number. I mean, truly a handful of universities that still kept their study abroad programs going with this whole pandemic. It, it affected us. It, it reduced our numbers there because we had to 
have larger spaces between where the students slept. Uh, not that we stuff them in like like uh, <laughs> sardines. sardines, but 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 um, but we had to we had to spread out even more. Um, and uh, we twice had to had to curtail trips to Greece and and went to uh, Crete instead. But um, we're 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 fully engaged, fully open now, and it, it's really at the heart. It's like the core of the core. We offer the same courses every semester there. It's a kind of of capstone piece to that formative education on the front end of the education that we provide. Yeah, you know, I have a senior in high school uh, daughter, and I, I know that the application season has already begun yeah. for next year. It's That's like, right. there's no rest, is there? I mean, you're already, so really, I think it was yes, August, August 1st uh, when they could start applying or, right. you know, scholarships. So what would you say to the parents out there uh, who have a, a senior in high school uh, What and, and they're interested in UD, what should they be doing right now? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question question um because we draw from so many different states um we're we're still test optional so uh people should know that but it helps to have uh standardized tests it's just that in some states it's really hard to have access to it so yeah. we we had to extend that another year um it, it helps for us to know um and the most important thing i think when parents look at the cost of our education there's a sticker price that can seem really shocking but 99% of our students receive substantial financial aid from the university and some other uh, grant programs that we participate in. We've, we've got uh, many different buckets that we draw from. And so the actual cost of attendance to come to the University of Dallas for the average student is on par with an in-state student going to Texas A&M. Mm. And, and, uh, but it's, it's a different model than the one you look at on a state system where the, the initial price tag is lower, okay, um, but there's something um, uh, called you know, scholarships. And, and uh, so proceed with the application, go through the process, um, have your, your son or daughter um, um, think about the essay. Uh, we, we care about what they submit in their, in their application. We're looking for thoughtful intellectually hungry um, students who will benefit from this kind of integration of the life of the mind, the development of character, and the cultivation of the theological virtues. You don't have to be a perfect student. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer in passion, and we're, we're animated by the principle that the best education for the best student is the best education for every student. So, um, you know, don't be terrified by the price. Don't be off-put by the fact that um, you, you've got to write an essay. You're going to have to write a lot at the University of Dallas, but that's good for you. And mm -hmm. there, are, there are no corners that can be cut when it comes to really having an excellent education. Yeah. Amen. We are about out of time and uh, exciting time. I can just imagine the, the energy and the excitement on campus and you got influx. How, how many freshmen are starting this this year? So 430. Uh, 430 new faces in mm -hmm. addition to all the others and everybody reuniting and it just must be uh, very exciting. And also want to mention that uh, I think twice a day during the week uh, you have mass, 12.05 and 5 p.m. Is that right? Yeah, each day uh, two yeah. masses a day and, and Eucharistic adoration every afternoon, and uh, there are there are multiple rosaries at the shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe, and you know we're consecrated to Our Lady yes, of Guadalupe, yes. and um, and then confessions four or five times a week that are officially posted, and lots of other confession times. Yeah. Um, 
that uh, are not officially posted. This, this was fun. I hope uh, we can do this again sometime where I can just ask some questions because I've, I've learned a lot and I, and I know a lot about the about UD, but it's, it's really been fun to, uh, to, to ask you these questions. Anything else from either of you before we let you go? Uh, uh, I think we've covered a lot of ground. I, I'd love to talk about the Quest and about other programs, but we've run out of time. But uh, anything else that we, you really want to get in this month? Because I know we won't see you until September now. Yeah, um, check out our website. We do have something called The Quest, and we've taped already the video for Quest 2. Somebody can go to our website and have access to this free programming. We've got booklets and 